0: Welcome into the Lion's Lair. My name is Noah Reif. I am your host, back from my two-week vacation, and I am joined today, as always, by John Sauber, Penn State football beat reporter. No longer Penn State basketball beat reporter, because basketball is over, We're Still the beat reporter. even I'm though it's
1: March. Co- I'm just not covering it actively.
0: There is no madness for Penn State basketball. That's true. So, John, what's going on? What did I miss? Uh, you missed one of the worst produced podcasts of all time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is the reason I'm not a podcast producer. Uh, found out how valuable you were last week, but that's all right. I talked about the NCAA tournament last week. Uh, I think I announced that Tennessee was my uh, pick to win it all. That's a good pick. Right Before they got bounced by Michigan in the second round,
0: so I had them going very far. Yeah, I had Purdue. Purdue. I also have champion. Purdue and I
1: have Purdue in the final four. Uh, Purdue Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Iowa and Tennessee.
0: Mm, I don't think they can do it.
1: Also, have Iowa State in the elite eight. I so have Iowa looking pretty good. Yeah,
0: I have Iowa former, State.
1: Former Penn State, Nittany Lion, Isaiah Brockington. That's anyways, not
0: ridiculous to say. Yeah, All right, that is enough basketball. For yeah, today. that's we. It's March. Come on, there's yeah, never enough true. basketball. You got to touch on it a little, a little bit. At least. Exactly. Yes. So. Spring practice is happening. Penn State football is coming back in full swing. For those listeners who, that is your sport, get excited. It's back. It will be dominating the headlines. But let's jump in and start with some of the things to watch for Penn State football's spring practices.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is to watch how this offense has grown from last year. Uh, because it has to. Uh, they, they don't have a choice. They, they cannot be as bad as they were offensively. Um, if they are, it's going to look a lot like it did last year and it's going to be a seven and six record somewhere around there. Um, a really disappointing season because frankly, the personnel hasn't changed for the better, uh, enough. I mean, it might be slightly better in some places going to be worse than others, but, uh, the, the personnel I would, I would think would, would look, uh, pretty similar. Uh, it's just a more of a matter of, can this look like more of a cohesive unit than it did, uh last year right can mike yurcich lead this to being a top i don't know 15 offense in sp plus i don't remember where they finished last year i remember it not being good yeah i remember uh, we
0: chatted about that
1: yeah it was it was bad right and and they need to be better
0: uh and they didn't look terrible but the Grannon, the aesthetic
1: of it was a team that could move up and down the field and couldn't finish drives exactly uh and And, like, listen, you can be great between the 20s all you want. You still have to be able to score, though. And if they can't score, then nothing else matters. They call Uh, it the red zone for a reason. That's right. you got to finish in the red zone. Absolutely have to. And James Franklin has emphasized the running game again. We spoke to him on Monday for the first time since the – Second National Signing Day, I guess it's the normal National Signing Day, whatever we want to call it. But spoke to him Monday, the 21st, I think. I don't know. Dates don't matter anymore. I forget them all the time. <laughs> uh, but we spoke to him on, on Monday, and he emphasized again that they have to get the running game going. That goes for everyone. He also said that, you know, he's sure Mike Yuricich would also say that uh, year one of the Yurcich, uh coordinator experience didn't go how they how he thought it did, or how he thought it would, I should say. Um, he expected to be better, and and frankly, they. I mean, given the talent, they just should have been better. Uh, I, I mean, I've said this in the past. I just don't understand this, this need to run the ball. It's at, Pete at, Carroll. At, you're not wrong. This this like obsession with running the ball, right? Pete Carroll is is known for that, and it's, there's a reason Russell Wilson just left for Denver, mm-hmm. not to pour salt in that wound for you. That's yeah, okay. Uh, but yeah, I like it is. It, There are plenty of successful college football teams that don't run the ball when everyone expects you to run the ball. And that is that is a phrase that I harped on a lot and just just still sticks with me. Like the, the best offenses in football, the best in the National Football League, the best in college football are the ones that can do things that do things well when you don't expect them. Right. When you catch a defense off guard. When you run on first and second down and throw on third down, you are not a successful offense. You are a predictable offense. When you run on third and short constantly, you are predictable. Now, that being said, a QB sneak can be helpful, right? You want high probability plays uh, when you're in short yardage situations. You want to know you can get one yard or two yards. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about first and 10 running the ball no matter what. Second and 10 running the ball again. Like These are situations where... Listen, throw it on first and second down and then maybe you're in third and short and then you can run the ball and it won't matter, right? Or you can throw it again because you're really successful throwing the ball. And they use the short game as, as an extension of the running games they've talked about in the past. To me, that that is what they should be emphasizing. They should be trying to get the ball to Parker Washington, to Keandre Lambert Smith, to Nicholas Singleton out uh, out of the backfield. You know, uh, Get the ball to Mitchell Tinsley, who's incoming from Western Kentucky, who I think can be really helpful this year. They should have done it more to Dotson last year. I mean, they did it a ton, but there, there was no reason he shouldn't have just been lighting it up for them uh, offensively. And and I think that was, it drove me nuts watching, you know, the, the insistence on needing to be able to run the ball. It cost them the Michigan State game, uh, you know, a game that they frankly should have won, We're throwing all over Michigan State, and then... Just decided to run the ball for for not a great reason, right? For just and then not
0: successful against Illinois running the ball either, right? which ends up losing the game. And Quinn, qu- I don't even know what the word for that is. However many overtimes n- that was non-tuple, Nin- n- non-tuple, non-tuple overtime. Non- I think that I don't sounds know. like a Tupperware brand, but
1: non-tuple does sound like Tupperware. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs>
0: but no, that that's
1: you know that was a game that Mike Yursich talked about post or you know in in mid December I think it was when he had his press conference uh, about. I think he called it the most embarrassing game of his life, right? Like this. Uh, they, they basically backed off and, and dared him to run the ball and they couldn't. And I understand that sometimes the other team's going to dare you to do it. So you feel obligated to do it. To me, that felt like they dared him to do it, knowing that even if they threw the ball, they still couldn't match up, right? Like they, they still didn't have the personnel to do it. Now, Sean Clifford was coming off an injury uh, that affected him in that game, I think, pretty clearly. Uh, he he could not be himself, uh, but they could not get the offense going. No matter what they did, they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't throw the ball. Um, they you know it was it, it was just an an atrocious offensive effort and sort of the 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 low point for the season last year. You know for Penn State, uh, but that offense just has got to be better. There is there is no excuse to be you know one of the worst offenses in the Big Ten. There is no excuse uh, to to frankly stagnate, uh, to, to be similar to what they were last year. There's honestly no excuse for, you know, minimal improvement. They have to be a lot better. Um, and you know, there's several ways to do that. It's to, one of them is kind of obvious, but not the way I would go. It's to run the ball better, but they don't necessarily like they have better running backs in the room this year. I think adding Nick Singleton, adding Catron Allen will help that. And they only lose Noah Kane who hadn't looked like himself since his breakout freshman year. The offensive line might be a little bit better, but losing Rasheed Walker there is going to hurt. They might be better on the interior, but again, you 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 really don't know. You got a lot of youth on that, or a lot of inexperience at least on that offensive line. Your tight ends aren't great blockers; they're fine. You know, Theo Johnson has a lot of size. You would think he'd be a good blocker, and he could be, uh, but he wasn't quite there last year. Um, Tinsley's a big physical receiver. Parker Washington's small, but he's physical and can block. Like, they they should be able to run the ball this year. I just don't know that I would, you know, be like, okay, this is how we're going to get better. This is how we're going to improve. I think it's more about being uh, more creative offensively, finding the ball to get – or finding the way to get the ball to guys in more creative ways. Like, you know, use Parker Washington like the 49ers use Debo Samuel, right? Get him the ball on the backfield. Uh, put him in situations where he can succeed. Put him in situations where he's running in the open field or he's operating in the open field and can use his decisiveness and his physicality to beat guys. Um, don't just use him as a receiver. Uh, he's really good as a receiver. Use him there a lot. But to me, he's probably the number one option entering the year, uh, despite you know my sort of uh, belief in Tinsley and his ability to translate to the Power 5 level after playing at Western Kentucky. Um, but there's... You know, there, nothing else matters if this offense doesn't get better. The defense can be as good as it wants. It was really good last year. It was elite last year, and it didn't matter because the offense was atrocious. So if, if they don't improve there, nothing is going to matter. So I think that's the first thing you have to watch for. You have to watch and see, is this offense going to look better does Sean Clifford look better? Does he look more comfortable? And, and sort of where do they go from there? And how are they going about trying to improve?
0: So what I'm hearing from you is the antithesis of what James Franklin is asking this team to do is what you would see being successful. Instead of being predictable, running the ball, you want them to play to their strengths but be creative.
1: Yeah, I, I think predictability is the quickest way to lose, right? And Lose uh, matchups, to lose plays, to... To not, you know, find the success you want to find. Uh, I I think sometimes it is necessary, like I said, third and one, you know, fourth and goal with the one. Like having a sneak in your back pocket, like there are some quarterbacks in the NFL who are some of like the best at – like Carson Wentz is notable for being elite at sneaking. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is another guy. Like you you want a quarterback that that knows how to find that spot and get – Will Levis, elite. He he was, right? and Big battering ram uh, in short yardage situations – Um, you know, Clifford can be that he's, he's physical enough. He's strong enough, uh, but
0: he dares to do it enough.
1: Yeah. And, and like you, you going under center and doing that isn't the worst thing in the world. I think the worst thing in the world is trying to, you know, run out of, out of the gun for no reason, even running like single back and, and, you know, honestly running out of the gun is probably better than running out of like single back. Uh, and you're you're trying to give your guy momentum coming toward the line of scrimmage, but you're also telling on yourself the entire time. And running play action in those situations is a great way to go about it. Uh, running zone reads and giving your quarterback options. Running RPO is giving him options to throw the ball to and pull it if he needs to. Uh, based on the, the front, the defense is showing. There are a lot of things they can do that aren't just run the ball straight ahead, uh, which I think is kind of what they fell into against Michigan State, and that's what cost them that game. And and I know I keep going back to that, but that's the one, right? That's where it, like, it really seemed like you know, earlier in the year, they were they were trying to run the ball because they, they really thought that was their best way to go about winning. But that was the game where it felt like, oh, you, you're just running the ball to run the ball at this point. Like, there's not a lot of reason for it. There's not a lot of logic other than, like, we want to.
0: And it seemed not, like a quota almost.
1: Yeah, it, that's, that's a great way to put it, right? Like, you got to run the ball X amount of times in the game. They're they're gonna be really really good at throwing the ball, uh, even you know with Sean Clifford's shortcomings, uh, you know and, and he has his, a good deep ball like and he he has his lack of accuracy is an issue, but he can throw it deep. Uh, he has enough arm strength. Uh, he's mobile. He can create room and space. Uh, but he, now you need the pass protection to hold up. But it did last year and it was fine. And again, their their offense, their offense was the entire issue. The running offense was the issue, but it wasn't that they weren't running the ball effectively is that they were hell bent on running the ball ineffectively. Um, And I just think you got to, you know, get more guys in motion, just do more creative things to try and create opportunities. If you, if you want to run the ball, if this is going to be it, then then you got to do it in those situations. You got to do it in a creative way. Um, Not just like going, like I said, single back, handing the ball, diving straight forward, trying to get one or two yards. Uh, I think the best way to go about it is being creative Uh, in their passing game should be fine. I know. And we'll talk about this in a little bit, but People are going to look at quarterback. People are going to talk about Drew Drew Aller and you know Christian Vayu. Uh, but I mean, there's not a ton of reason to believe Sean Clifford is not going to be that guy. So I think if we're talking about improvement, then it's probably not fair to expect him to improve at this point. He's going into year six, right? Like there's at some point you are what you are, and that's not as much an indictment of him. as like it's it's almost unfair to him to expect him to get better. Like he's he's proven exactly what he is as a quarterback. And if that's the guy you want to run out there, then. It's unfair to him to be to be angry or, or frustrated when he is that right when he's a a, a decent starting quarterback who can make some plays sometimes will make mistakes others and you know is probably at his best leading a team to like you know nine wins can can get to double digits I think with the right team around him but expecting otherwise from him is I mean it's. I don't know. I I think it, it would be wild for him to take a massive leap forward. Who knows? We've seen it before. Guys have taken huge steps forward in their final year of eligibility, but I I think it would be unfair to expect that to him, uh to expect that of him at, at this point in his career.
0: I think it seems also unfair to expect that a freshman would come in and outperform him. I mean, we look at in you know, I don't want to compare this to the NFL because it's not even close, but you have a lot of quarterbacks just coming straight out of college who aren't successful but the ones who sit behind, you know, veterans and Patrick and, Mahomes sits exactly. for a year.
1: Trevor Lawrence comes in, generational prospect struggles last year. Mm-hmm. I expect him to be a lot better this year. Like I think, like I think that's a valid point, right? Like this is, uh, and and especially like, so Drew Aller is phenomenally talented. I think he is a str- he is a strong chance to be a first-round pick someday, if not a top-five pick, because generally if quarterbacks go in the first round, they're going in the top five to ten anyways. I think he has all the tools and the traits and the mentality and everything you need to be successful as an NFL quarterback, as a college quarterback. He is not a senior. He has not played a snap in college football. He's very talented. We saw him at spring practice on Monday. He does not look like a Division One quarterback yet. He has the size, the ability, but I think he's got to sort of get stronger. Uh, he's still got to work through things. Like when you have the sort of the talent he does, the arm talent he does, which is just ridiculous, by the way. Like he is as an absolute rocket arm. He is phenomenally talented. There is a level of adjustment to hey, you don't always have to throw your fastball. Right? Like sometimes you got to take some, some velocity off it and loft it over a linebacker that's in the middle of the field that's waiting in his zone to to split you know the linebacker and the safety behind him. Uh, sometimes you have to get a little touch on a screen to make sure your running back actually has a chance to catch the ball when he's three yards away from you. Uh, sometimes when you throw it downfield, you got to throw it behind your guy and let him make a back shoulder catch rather than trying to put him in a jump ball situation so he can go get it and only he can go get it. And those are going to be things, I, you know, I'm not even sure he can't do it right now. He might be able to um but i think it would be again unfair to expect him to be able to in college you can sort or in high school you can sort of win with that arm strength that athleticism that talent cuz you can throw the ball further than anyone else and your guys can go get it and he was really really awesome and he and he is awesome as a as a talent um but i just don't think he's in a position and who knows maybe that changes from now to the fall right like that could reasonably change there's he,
0: plenty of time
1: yeah he has you know 5 months until fall camp starts maybe he you know shows up and he looks better than clifford but uh right now like i think clifford probably is is penn state's best option uh between the two of those guys to be clear um and heaping those expectations on aller as if he's going to be anything more than a backup this year is is probably you know wishful thinking at this point uh you know and and again maybe again maybe by the middle of the year he's he's there and maybe it's value yeah and it well and that's what i was going to get to i think if you want to, to sort of tie this all together. If you want to look, and you know, we were going to do positions to watch. This is the one, right? It's quarterback, so may as well do this now. Veiu looks different. He looks more physically ready than he did last season. He looks more physically ready than he did four months ago when he played against Rutgers. He, if there is anyone on the roster, I think that you can make an argument that should be starting over Clifford. That could be starting over Clifford. I think it's Vayu. Um... He's got a stronger arm. He, you know, has some of the same accuracy issues as Clifford, probably not as good of an athlete. Uh, and this is something that we we won't know until we see him in live action. He should get a ton of reps in the spring game, I assume. I can't imagine they're going to let Clifford take a ton of reps. You just don't want it. – like, it's not worth it, right? Like, if he's your starter, like, let the other guys get reps. Um, but I think Veyu is the one that needs to – if he can show his decision-making is better, if he shows he can operate within the offense better – I think that's your guy. I think he is n- not the most talented in the room. I think that's Aller, but I think he's probably the second most talented. I think he's got the second best arm. Um, and I think he's probably got the second most upside. And while Aller has a chance to be like a first round pick someday and all that, like I think Veyu is probably going to end up getting drafted. If he you know, can work his way to a starting job at some point it now that's a long ways away, but that's the kind of upside he possesses. Um, and I think it is, but again, I, I think it's unreasonable to expect anyone to take the job from Clifford at this point. It seems like the coaching staff wants to start, start Sean Clifford. Uh, they want him to play this season, they want him to to lead this team. And that's fine if he really is the best guy. Because there's a chance he is, and the, the value's decision making isn't there yet. But I would not, if, if I was looking at anyone as, uh, you know, if I was a fan and I, I didn't want Sean Clifford to start for whatever reason, or I, you know, was. Was looking for a quarterback to monitor right now. It's Vayu. It's not Aller. Aller's going to be fun to watch, right? Like he's going to make some throws that we're going to watch him. Just be like wow. But like, he's this- also eighteen, right? And and that's like he's a kid, you know. Yeah. And he is he just got here two months ago. He can't even grow a mustache, right? Like it, that's the thing. Literally two months ago, yeah. Uh, he he graduated high school early so he could be here. He you know kids like you and I, when we were 18 at his, at, at his current state, I was
0: skipping class and getting Whataburger.
1: Yes. And we were in high school. Exactly. I was in like calculus or something yeah. right now. You know what I mean? And he is trying to play quarterback at the division one level. It's a very different thing. Exactly. Uh, expecting a lot of maturity out of him on the field is, is not something I would do. Uh, even though like he's a mature kid. I'm not like, that's not a shot of him or anything. He's just 18, right? Like he's, he's just not going to yeah. be as experienced. He's not going to have those game reps, those live reps to be that ready. Um, but yeah, I, I really do think if you know if there's a guy in the room that's sort of primed to take to take
0: snaps this year, other than Clifford, that it, it's value at this point. And I think too to to touch on that a little bit more is why not why 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 would we not listen and look at the past and what this you know the the I call him the Franklin administration as if that's a a good term for it, but like you know the Franklin camp they have been ride or die for Sean Clifford. Him to come back is, they're not going to tell him that, you know, that we have, I feel like, a genuine enough reason to believe that that's what this team wants, is to him to at least I, be there uh, and be
1: in a leadership position. It would be hard for me to imagine that Clifford would come back not expecting to start. Exactly. You know, and I think, and I mean, I think that's really reasonable. He started for the last three years. If you come back for a sixth year at the university, uh, the first time you've ever had the same coordinator twice in a row, I think it's pretty reasonable to expect to start. But yeah, I just think you know, quarterback as a whole is going to be the position that we all should be keeping our eyes on for a lot of reasons. For you know, is Clifford more comfortable in the offense? And by the way, like when I talk about don't, not expecting him to be a different player, I say that from a, a skill and talent standpoint. He the offense can be better Scheme-wise with him at the helm, it's different. right? He can he can be better in the offense. He can operate. He can be more comfortable in the offense, and that would be the improvement. It's not actually him his ability getting better as much as it is him growing within the offense and, and being more comfortable with Mike Uricic. um, You know, and, and, and that is one thing Franklin even cited on Monday, the relationship between Juricic and Clifford having the chance to grow more in a second year is important. And I agree with that, you know, but it's the other guys that sort of have the upside that we're monitoring.
0: Yeah. Um, are there anything else, any other, you know, sp- specific things that we should be looking for in this spring practice uh, season, session, or do we want to just move on to talking about some more players to watch?
1: No, I, I think we can move on to the players that we're, that we're monitoring here. And, you know, we already touched on Aller, right? Like that's the right. guy that everyone's going to have their eye on. But it's the other five-star running back that's probably got a chance to really contribute this year. And that's Singleton, who I mentioned a couple times. times. Uh, he is every bit of the size of a Division I running back right now. He is a phenomenal athlete. He has come in and impressed uh, from a lifting standpoint, according to Chuck Lucy when we spoke to him, uh, and has a chance to be, you know, probably not their starting running back from week one. Saquon Barkley didn't start from week one. Uh, Probably should have, but that's a story for another day. Um, But he has a chance to come in and be a part of the rotation. And I would not be surprised in the least bit if we get to middle of October and, singleton's leading the team in carries uh he is that level of talent he's that good uh and i is it, it is it is it is a position where guys don't there's there's not usually a lot of busts right like guys don't fail at running back as much unless there's like extenuating circumstances
0: injuries and
1: yeah right and off-field stuff all that stuff uh i don't see any reason that he would fail i think and you know who knows maybe in a year someone's bringing this up and Throwing it in my face, but I really do think he is in position to be really successful relatively early in his career. Uh, and just go to the other side of the ball for one more. You know, Franklin mentioned him again. Zane Durant has been phenomenal uh, thus far, according to everything we've. You know, Franklin has said that Chuck Lucy said when we spoke to him, he is undersized as a defensive tackle. Uh, you know, he's only about six one. He's sub, sub three hundred pounds at that size. Uh, but Franklin compared him to Kevin Givens, which is a comparison everyone's going to make. The defensive tackle that you know made it to the NFL despite being six foot one, uh, you know, played with the Niners. But I think he still might be on on the roster, or at least on the practice squad or a futures contract. Uh, but Givens was a good pass rusher from the inside, and you could bump him outside too if you really wanted to. And you know Durant. <laughs> It sure, sounds like he's he's going to be a part of the rotation as a true freshman that enrolled two months ago, and have that kind of help on the interior. I think is is going to go a long way. But but those are the two guys that that I am primarily monitoring at this point, because uh, it's the youth, right? It's what everyone wants to watch. You know, it's uh, it's the guys, the the unknowable, right? That's what everyone is excited to see for the first time.
0: Super interesting. I am personally looking forward to that quarterback race. That's like drama town central. They should have a whole show about picking the court. Qu- I don't know. That's I'm in it for the entertainment. Quarterback
1: competitions are always fun. I exactly. just don't think there's going to be a real one.
0: Friday Night Lights. Or not Friday Night Lights. What's the the one that they do at the NFL on HBO? Oh, Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks.
1: That's uh, embarrassing. Penn State,
0: Penn State should do a version of Hard Knocks. That would be fun. That would be sweet. Um, yeah, that one's free, Stratcom. All right? You hear that? Yeah. That one's free. Next one? We're charging for the next we're one. We're charging at least a dinner. Yeah, just like one dinner. I'm not just that. Just one dinner. Exactly. So looking forward to the bigger picture, I know we chatted a little bit about specific things that need to be improved. What needs to be improved most on this team other than the running game? I, I think
1: it is making sure that the, the the relationship between Clifford and the wide receivers and Clifford and the offensive line uh, is strong. And, and I don't mean that from like, oh, they just got to be friends. No, I think he's got to be on the same page as those wideouts. He was with Jahan Dotson last year, and he was starting to be, especially with Parker Washington, there toward the tail end. But he's coming in with a potential number one option in Tinsley, who, again, I think it will probably be Washington to start at least, but Tinsley will have a big role. Um, A guy that he hasn't played with before. You know, a guy that he needs to make sure he's on the same page with, make sure the timing is right, make sure that they're precise and knowing what each other wants and certain concepts that they're going to run. And the other thing is, like, his relationship with pressure, with defensive pressure, has been
0: skittish. I guess over that the is last year. That was a good description.
1: He he feels pressure that isn't there. He feels uh, no pressure when it's coming. Sometimes uh, it's been inconsistent. Sometimes he bails at the, right at the perfect time, and he takes off for a big run. Sometimes he bails early, uh, and and when nothing was coming, and he would have had time, and it breaks down the play, and they get a yard or two, and or an incompletion when he had more time. Sometimes uh, he you know bails into his guys when they're not. You know, they have them. They sort of given him a pocket, but the pocket's closing a little, but it's still there. Uh, and he tries to bail out, runs into his own guys, and creates sacks sometimes. Uh, I think he's, you know, maybe it's not on the offensive line as much as it's on him. But he's just got to be better within the pocket. Uh, and that's, and again, that's it goes to what I said about not being better from a talent standpoint, from a, as, as a quarterback as a passer. But he's, I don't, I don't want to call him. He's got to be more comfortable because I think he is comfortable. He's got to be more. um Patient? More patient, more aware, uh, but also sometimes less patient, right? Like that's the difficult part of this. You're asking for precision. You're asking him to know when it's coming and to know when it's not coming. Right. Uh, and and to do that is difficult, right? So, so few people play quarterback at the level that he's currently playing it, uh, playing it at. But he he needs to be able to sense that pressure better. He needs to be able to feel guys coming toward him. He needs to be able to feel and navigate those tight spaces when it may feel like the, the tackles maybe let the guy get upfield a little too far but he's got him under control. He's not going to let him get back to you. Uh, you know, he needs to to trust the offensive line that he can work through his progression. He can he can read his concepts, read his keys, and get, get the ball where he needs to get it. Um, and that's going to be the biggest thing that dictates the offense because I think he's going to start. I think he's going to start probably, you know, at least the first month or so until something changes. I think I made the bold, pr- bold prediction a couple months ago that, Another, Ohio State, right? Yeah, is I think it? it was Ohio State. And then they changed when the Ohio State game is. So that, yeah, that it moved e-
0: back further. Yeah, it's
1: even further back, so it makes me look even better. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, he'll probably start the majority of the year. And, and there's a reason that's a bold prediction, by the way. The most likely option is he starts every game for Penn State if he's healthy all year. Um,
0: Which... He's has he ever had a fully healthy season? Because I, I don't know if I can remember one where he was fully healthy.
1: He, his last two haven't been. Yeah, and that's been the most important thing, right? The first year I think was relatively healthy yeah. when they went to the Cotton Bowl, but that's right. The last two uh, have not, um, and you know whether it's inconsistency, whether it's health, like he's been off the field uh, for stretches. So he's he's just got to be able to, and then that's the other thing, this is going to make him healthier if he can feel when guys are coming, get rid of the ball, or if he, you know, isn't going to run himself uh, into sacks, or if he isn't going to try and take off and run and get himself hit harder, uh, you know, try and bail out like he got hit in the, the Iowa game, that's when he, you know, suffered the injury. Uh,
0: the booing incident.
1: Yeah, the booing incident where... Iowa fans were booing guys that were actually hurt, which is I don't want to have that discussion again. Uh, It's a very strange thing. I don't know. It's very weird. Um, But forever
0: Penn State football lore. No.
1: Yeah, it really is. Booing a team that when you're trying to slow down the pace. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, like I said, don't want to go into that discussion again. Uh, We've had it plenty of times. But yeah, I think I think the biggest. Area of improvement is that sort of relationship with Clifford and, and sort of what's going on around him. Uh, and le- it's less about his talent and more about how he can sort of process all of it.
0: It seems like we saw. Uh, You know, every once in a while last season, we saw some really nice glimpses of him being patient. And I remember early. Yeah, I remember you talking about specifically saying this looks like a different Sean Clifford. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's the offensive coordinator. Maybe it's what he's working on. But he seemed to be patient in the pocket, find his guys. He didn't feel the pressure as much. And then he got hit pretty hard a few times and that seemed like it rattled him a little bit i think auburn was the best
1: game of his career yeah uh, or at oh. least the very the best game since he uh his first year starting uh probably honestly the best game of his career people will, will point at the villanova game i actually didn't think he played all that well in the villanova game the, the level of competition was lower he was fine he was good enough to win it's not like he was bad but um that auburn game i was really impressed with him the way he hung in there against a really fast defense with really 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 good corners uh, you know, and, and was able to 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 play well and to play patiently.
0: That's a huge win too. I don't think people yeah. like emphasize as much how big of a win that was.
1: Yeah, and now they got to go down to the plains this year and try and win, uh, and that is not easy because Auburn should be better. Uh, will they be? I don't know, but they should be. Um, But yeah, I think that that Iowa game really set him back When he got hit a few times And then he never looked like the same quarterback So maybe he'll get in the same space he was Sort of at the start of the season He'll improve, but uh, he is You know, he's got to be that guy For them to do what they want to do If he's not, you're probably looking at a peak Of like eight wins Because this is not an easy schedule either Purdue's going to be easier Because George Karloftis and David Bell aren't there But Jeff Brom runs a good offense And that game is on the road And is a Thursday night to open the season in West Lafayette. Uh, I Where anything can happen, truly. I, I am not chalking that up as a win. I'm just not, I'm not chalking it up as a loss or anything, but like that is, we'll see when we get closer to the game, but that is going to be a difficult opener.
0: 100 then, overtime draw. <laughs> is there a draw rule? Can you even draw? N- no,
1: we're going back and forth down the field over <laughs> and over again for two point <laughs> conversions for 100 OT. Uh, but the then two weeks later, you go to the Plains and play Auburn. So uh, it's not going to be easy. Uh, but we're going to find out a lot pretty quickly just how good he's going to be.
0: Uh, we, we've we touched on almost all of these things, but let's let's just jump right in with the biggest roster holes that you've seen that we haven't mentioned so far.
1: Yeah, I think there are three spots where they need to hit the portal a little harder. I think defensive end, they need more depth. I think Adisa Isaac can be good there if he's healthy and returning. Um, Soraya Fisher seems like he's stepped up. Nick Tarburton will be fine as a starter there. But you want more rotational guys. I think they really need a linebacker. Uh, Curtis Jacobs is gonna start at one spot he is phenomenal might be the best or second best player on defense it'll be either him or Jair Brown Uh, sounds like Kobe King or Tyler Elson based on what James Franklin said on Monday we'll start at middle linebacker at least in spring ball and one of those guys that needs to run away with the job and the other spot looks like Jonathan Sutherland and some other guys there like you you really need you need probably a second linebacker but King could surprise Elson could surprise and they could be good there even if that's the case, you probably need a third linebacker. Uh, or you need to just play in the nickel a bunch, which I don't hate. Like, at five DBs is, is a good way to go. Get Daquan Hardy on the field more. Uh, he played the star a bunch last year, uh, played in, which is their nickel corner rule. Um, he can also play safety. He was taking reps there after the outback, or before the outback pool. Uh, and Outside of that, like I know they added Tinsley, and I know they have Parker Washington. I really think they either need an external option at wide receiver or they need Keandre Lambert-Smith or Malik Mega or someone, Harrison Wallace. Someone has got to step up as that third wideout because Mike Juricic wants three wideouts on the field. Uh, and right now they don't have a reliable third option. Uh, and, you know, we don't know that they have a reliable second option because we don't know what Tinsley's going to be. I have faith that he will be that guy and he is that guy. We just haven't seen it in, in, in live action yet. But I, I really think they need to find that sort of third wide receiver. Um, but we'll see. You know, there's still time for guys to enter the portal. There's still still time for guys to commit from the portal. Uh, I'm sure there will be a wave of entrance after everyone gets done with spring ball, after the semester ends, before fall practice. So... I don't if I had to guess and like this is, you know, strictly my sort of read on the situation, I don't think they're going to be done from that standpoint. But they do need to, I think, make some additions or they're really going to need some guys to step up. Uh, Otherwise, that's sort of, you know, uh, there's going to be holes all season.
0: So let's jump into Pro Day here. Penn State held their annual Pro Day. For those of you who don't know, Pro Day is basically just a NFL draft combine that is hosted by a, you know. A Penn State or a university. A, yeah, that, the we, university.
1: Yeah, and they, they generally will, like, invite kids from other schools, too, potentially, to do it. This year, I, I, there weren't any guys like that, but we've seen it happen in the past, you know, like, local schools, just to get uh, kids some attention. But, but, yeah, Pro Day is uh, quite the time, you know? It is... A lot of standing and watching, you know, and watching guys work out, looking but, through people's legs. Yeah, <laughs> trying to trying to get a glimpse of stuff. Uh, but I do think the interviews at the end of those can be valuable, and the workouts themselves, once you get testing numbers and everything, can be valuable too and instructive, sort of into how guys help or, or don't help their draft stock.
0: Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting event. Um, I think there's there's a lot to talk about here, but let's start out with who stood out to you, John, because that's, I mean, that's the whole thing with this is if you need a second chance, uh, or you need a first look, as we'll talk about, um, this is your place to do it. This is your place to bump your stock. So,
1: yeah, I, I think one of the the biggest, I don't even want to know if I want to call him a winner because I, I, I guess I wasn't that surprised by this. And it was Jaquan Brisker. He ran a four-four-three forty, which is faster than the 4490 He ran into combine with an, with a hurt back. Um, that he hurt when he was bench pressing, uh, as he told us after the uh, after his pro day workout. But you know, he is uh, he is what he is. And, and I mean that in a good sense, like he's good, right? Like He's a really good safety, um, especially when you compare him. So the, the consensus top safety in this class, Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, reportedly ran in the four sevens at his combine, which is not good, right? Like in Hamilton's six, three, like 220 pounds is super versatile. Uh, I still think very good. But you know when you sort of compare those two uh, those two times, and again, this is the workouts aren't the end all be all. The film should come first. But um, Jaquan was really impressive on film too, right? Like he is easily one of the best safeties in this class. The speed proves that he can turn and run with guys, which I think may have been a concern for some, even though it shouldn't have been. Um, he's obviously very good in the run game. Uh, he's he, you know intelligent, intelligent uh, leader from the back end too. He talks a lot about how he always knows what his teammates are doing. Like, it's not just about knowing where he is and where he needs to be. It's about knowing where those guys are and where they need to be. So if something breaks down, he can either make up for it or he can do something to plug the back end, right, or he can, you know, be an asset in that way. And that was like, you know, I know that there there were questions about sort of his football IQ as he told us, right, that that uh, teams were surprised that by his football IQ, which that isn't a surprise to those of us on the beat who cover the team. Uh, listening to, to Brisker talk about, picking off Graham Mertz. Uh, when Jake Ferguson was running a stick nod against Wisconsin, Brisker saw the play coming because he had, they had talked about it a lot. It's something he noticed a bunch in film that they use that as a go-to route. Uh, it's basically a hesitation route where, you know, the tight end fakes going outside and cups, cuts up the middle of the field. He saw that, made the play on the ball, picked it up and picked it off, and helped seal the game. You know, that's just a peek into the kind of player he is, right? He's a very intelligent player who is, doesn't have a ton of flaws. Like, you can... You can harp a little bit on his, you know, his tackling and the consistency of it, but he's a good tackler for safety. Like it's not even an issue. It's more he's not great at it. He's just above average to good at it at this point, uh, because he does lead with his shoulder a little too much, which was hurt all this season. So that might have been, you know, he might have been leading with his other shoulder to save that. So you know, there's there's always a lot going on there. But yeah, I think Brisker was to me. One of the most impressive players there, uh, the fact that he sort of quelled any concerns about his football IQ with front offices, as he said he did, is obviously a big step because you got to impress those guys. They got to they got to want to take you in order to take you. And uh, I, I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a back end of the first round guy. It's probably more likely he goes on the second round. But if you know, if I were an NFL team, I wouldn't have issue taking him in the first round.
0: So who improved their stock the most?
1: Yeah, I think this is Probably surprised people. Well, maybe not for those who saw what he ran in the forty. But Drew Hartlob ran a four two two forty.
0: It was impressive.
1: Yeah, and it was it wasn't one of those forties where it's like, oh yeah, that guy's fast. That's probably like a four three. It was like, oh man, that dude might have just ran in the four twos, and then he did. Yeah. Uh, he is going to be. I, I feel pretty confident to say this on an NFL roster at some point, even though he was a walk on who just got a scholarship there at the end. Uh, he's a special teams gunner and he's a really good one i know Shes-
0: did Shesena do kind Shesena of the same ended thing ended up
1: yeah he that's the same type of player he's just shorter yeah. right uh Shesena ended up with the vikings uh you know for a little bit there and I, I think Hartlob has a chance to do the same thing. Teams love guys like that. Matthew Slater for the Patriots has made a literal NFL career out of being a special teamer, right? Yeah. And if you can be a long-term special teamer, teams like that because you're cheap and, you know, they know that you're going to be reliable because you've got, like, two things you got to worry about all game and you're excellent at it. Uh, and I think Hartlob has a has a strong chance to be one of those guys. And, you know, he's... I mean, I would be stunned if he gets drafted, right? He's—I don't expect, don't expect that. But he's going to probably sign as a UDFA, and he's probably going to find himself on an NFL roster, and that's a pretty cool thing uh, to see happen to someone who doesn't get a lot of shine, who is like a ridiculous athlete, and is you know um, those, those special teams guys are always—I don't—they're they're less heralded, right? Like it's—it's it's kind of the grunt work, uh, but it's important, and uh, he is—he's probably going to play in the NFL for a decent bit, and I think that to go from a guy who had. had no shine at all to, to that is is a pretty big step forward. Uh, the other guys, Arnold Abakati, who is just really impressive. Like he is, he's bigger than I thought he would be. He's stronger. Uh, he has ridiculously long arms. Um, you know, watching the way he moves, this to me, he's outside of Dotson. He's the guy with the best chance to go in the first round. Uh, teams need pass rushers at all times. He's going to be a really good pass rusher. You worry about how he's going to hold up against the run, but. That ability to rush the passer is going to make him a lot of money and it's going to ha- allow him to have a long NFL career. Uh, and again, just a guy that you you wouldn't be surprised if he ends up going, I don't know, somewhere like 15 to 20, you wouldn't be surprised if he falls to the second because the board can fall weird for pass rushers sometimes because guys hop up the board and guys fall down all the time. But I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the late late part of the first round.
0: So jumping on to people who weren't at the NFL Combine, so, I mean, it's kind of a shock, honestly. Ellis Brooks wasn't at the Combine. Maybe not a shock, but... It was... It, I, I thought he was a fringe guy. I, yeah. I thought he would make it, but yeah. It, so he wasn't at the Combine, so pro day was really his chance to show off his athletic skills in that field. You know, what did what did we see from him? Did that improve his draft stock, lower it? What, what was that situation like? Ellis is sort of what he
1: is, right? He is someone that you feel comfortable controlling your defense, calling your plays, getting your guys ready, getting them set. Um, not the best tackler in the world, although he did mention, and this is true, that when he hurt his hand uh, and he had to wear the cast, he couldn't grab guys, right? So you kind of have to tackle how you're supposed to tackle. You have to wrap and roll. You know, you have to, it's more rugby style tackling, which is how you're taught to tackle uh, now. And And the fact that he kind of had to do that probably helped him quite a bit. Um, you know, he's not going to be great in coverage. He can be smart in coverage. He can be in the right spots, but he is not going to be the guy that is running and chasing tight ends and running backs. You don't want to manning up on guys. Uh, he just doesn't have that sort of quickness, uh, you know, even, even his long speed isn't where you would want it to be. And he can help against the run if he's tackling well, but sometimes he sort of gets lost in the trash is the best way to put it, right? Like he, when when a run play happens, he steps up to the defensive line and, and sort of gets lost there instead of staying back, reading his keys and hitting his gap. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it's tough to know if he, if he improved his stock or if, again, it's just kind of what he is. And that's a guy with a chance to get drafted – I think, uh, not necessarily a strong chance. Someone that'll be in a training camp somewhere. Feel pretty confident about that because teams, you know, linebackers the kind of position where you you want to find the diamonds in the rough because it's not a it's it's a more replaceable skill set and it's you know we've seen teams deprioritize it uh, especially of late just because there are a lot of guys at that, that size with that skill set um, and. Most teams emphasize either your secondary because you want to be able to cover well or your pass rush and that's your front four because you want to be able to rush the pass or not have to worry about the back end. So linebackers have sort of been devalued, which means teams try to find those times in the rough more, like I said. And so he has a chance to be a guy like that, but I think it's going to take him improving athletically in a way that I don't foresee for him to be like a, you know, to reach a rotational level player on defense. Um, but I think he has a chance to make training camps for a few years and, and, you know, find himself on an occasional roster and and find himself on an active roster someday. I just don't know that it's like a high probability outcome. It is a feasible outcome, but not a high probability one.
0: 2022 Penn State football it's coming up it's coming up quick obviously spring practice is the start of it all but from pro day talking to you know former players I think gives us a really good insight into what's to come with this next team and I just want to know what tidbits did you grab from those kind of exit interviews
1: yeah I It was really interesting that Ellis Brooks really expressed a lot of confidence in Curtis Jacobs uh, and how he grew as a leader at the end of last season from just from like his work habits, like he would watch, they would watch film together for three hours right after a game on a Saturday night. Um, And Jacobs is going to be that guy. And Brooks said he's ready to be that guy. I think on the field, there's no doubt he's ready to be that guy. Uh, And off the field, it kind of seems like it's trending that way too, right? Like that everyone's confident in him as the, the leader of the room, the leader of, not necessarily the defense, but le- the leader of the front seven potentially, right? Like he is, he's got a chance to be their best defensive player. Now, it's going to be tough because there are a lot of really good defenders, Jair Brown being one of them. Adisa Isaac has a ton of upside. Uh, PJ Mustafa is very good whenever he gets back and healthy. But I do think the linebacker position is, you know, it's not in a great spot. Uh, there's There are questions. James Franklin mentioned that uh, Tyler Elsden and, and Kobe King are going to be competing at linebacker when he spoke in this uh, spring ball press conference they're going to get all the reps. I just worry that, you know, they're going to have this high end talent in Jacobs and not enough around him. And he's going to kind of try to make up for some of the mistakes. um, And we'll see what happens there. That being said, they have time to add in the portal. Um, They have time to make those additions that we talked about earlier uh, when we talked about the team next year, you know, and I I will be curious to see who wins those jobs and how much they're playing in a, uh, in the nickel out of, instead of playing at a base because you're probably better off getting a fifth defensive back out there than playing with a third linebacker because there, there's not a ton of depth, like I said, at linebacker. So it's going to be interesting to see. The other obvious thing was that Sean Clifford was throwing passes to Jahan Dotson. Um, and it was, I don't know, it was a lot of what we've seen from Clifford. It was, you know, wh- what I talked about earlier when I said, you know, that this is sort of who he is and it's kind of unfair for him, unfair to expect him to be anything else you know he made a lot of he made a few good throws like he made a few really good throws on deep balls he also missed a couple of slant routes like also no pressure to be fair yeah and it's you know you're you're it's a it's a workout right yeah. it's not you're not playing on the field um but i i you know i think it's interesting that he put himself in front of, you know, NFL personnel, uh, to to sort of be viewed like that. John Dotson said he it was always going to be Clifford that he wanted to throw. There were some hang ups that he sort of didn't get into on why that might not have happened, but, you know, he ended up being able to do it. Uh and so he had the guy he wanted throwing him the ball. But, you know, I think we we talked about this a lot already, but Clifford's sort of the fulcrum for this season. He would dictate how far they go, how far they don't go and you know, you know, it, it, it says something that, that Dotson wanted him there, that, that that's the guy he trusts. But either way, I think, you know, there's there's a little bit of stuff there that we learned about 2022. i two. I'll be curious to see Jair Brown. Uh, if Jacobs isn't the best defender, it'll probably be Jair. Uh, he's going to be awesome. There, I have very little doubt about that. I'll go on the record now and saying I think he's going to be a first-round pick next year. I think he would have been a an early day two pick this year had he left, uh, following in Brisker's footsteps, taking that extra year, coming back playing more, uh, you know, playing more in college, being the leader of the secondary. He is excellent in coverage. He is really good against the run. He's another guy who's a leader, clearly has the respect of the entire team, um, you know, has a respect of a lot of people. Uh, and I think he's going to be an absolute star next year. Um, and, you know, I am very much looking
0: forward to that. Super exciting stuff. Obviously, this season is a ways away, but lots to kind of parse through and figure out as we jump into a brand new football season. They never stop coming. They really don't. They never Somehow stop. Somehow every
1: year we have another one. It's it crazy just keeps, how that works. It
0: just keeps through through pandemic, through it all. It never ends. It never ends. Well, this podcast has to end, though. That's right. So my name is Noah Rife. You can follow me online at Noah Reif anywhere. John, where can people find you at?
1: You can find me at, at John Sauber on Twitter, J-O-N-S-A-U-B-E-R. You can find all of our work at CenterDaily.com. Uh, you can subscribe to the Center Daily Times uh, for our sports pass at CenterDaily.com backslash sports podcast. You get discounted rate right there for a year. Uh, and yeah, that is, that is generally the best place to find I me. And of course here every week, always,
0: always here, always happy, always beautiful. We'll see you later center County and beyond peace out everyone. Have a good week.